there's been a lot of quite, a lot of continuity. Now, unfortunately, I don't know that the continuity that you've had on the football team and she's had as the principal has gone across all the teachers there, but y'all have been there. Yeah, uh, and I think there is a good core of, of teachers in the building that have been there since the, we were going through and counting another day, but we have a good good continuity of mix. And what I really like is, I think, you know, talking about community in Johnson County is, you know, Johnson County has a strong community and there, there's the towns, but Cleveland isn't really technically a town. Correct. And it, it was something that was kind of lacking when we first opened. It really didn't have a community feel. People just lived here Correct. and worked. But I think the, the high schools helped in that and the success of, of sports teams has helped build that. But I, I think there's the feel of a building community. Each year, it seems a little bit better and stronger because you're, you're building alumni. And now we have several teachers that were former graduates. And that was one thing that was always a struggle when we first started was you know, a lot of people get support for the schools from their alumni. Well, there wasn't any alumni right, 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 um, right. to be had. And now we have three coaches on staff, three of our 10 coaches on staff this year. We've had up to five in, in past years that were graduates of Cleveland High School. So, and I think there's you know, four or five other teachers in the building that they went to Cleveland High. So we were oh, starting to build awesome. that community. Every Friday night, you see more faces coming back that played for us or, right. or grew up watching us. Right. We're starting well, to build a Cleveland community. Welcome to another episode of Best of Johnston County, brought to you by Breeden Law Office. Our host, Jonathan Breeden, an experienced family lawyer with a deep connection to the community, is ready to take you on a journey through the area that he has called home for over 20 years. Whether it's a deep dive into the love locals have for the county or unraveling the complexities of family law, Best of Johnston County presents an authentic slice of this unique community. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Best of Johnston County podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Breeden, and today we have our guest, Scott Riley, the head football coach at the Cleveland High School Rams, is here to talk to us about his journey to Johnston County some things about what makes a great leader and how he continues to produce winning teams year after year and what he loves about coaching in Johnson County. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Let's start with a little bit about your background. Where's you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, from this area in general, the Cary Raleigh area, kind of like Cleveland, an unincorporated area. Okay. Um, so outside of Cary, but it's a Raleigh mailing address. So oh, okay. Everyone in this area kind of knows how that works. But uh, And then I went to Cardinal Gibbons High School. And, oh, okay. So. Now my <laughs> rival. Oh my gosh, that's right. That is your big rival. And I went and played football at Washington Jefferson in Pennsylvania for two years and then transferred back and graduated from Carolina, which I know that's oh, a hard feelings. Yeah, sore subject for me as the NC State it, graduate. So. It was hard to be out of the state. and North Carolina is where I needed to be, so I came back. Okay, uh, so when did you graduate from Carolina? 2004. Okay, so what was your degree? American history, so. Oh, all um, right. And I was actually applied and he got accepted to law school, was going to be a lawyer. <laughs> I don't think you know this about me. And then I just really couldn't give up the football aspect of it. And the easiest way to stay involved is coaching. So not necessarily a popular decision with some people in the family but <laughs> because of the difference in income. But I gave up going to law school and got into teaching instead. Okay, so where did you get, a, I guess, I mean, you had, at some point you had to do student teaching and get a teaching certificate. Where did you do that at? Yeah, I did uh, lateral entry. And got hired initially as an ESL teacher. Okay. And I did that for just six weeks. And then history opening came open. Matter of fact, the, another football coach, he was our defensive coordinator at the time, and he taught American history and, and world history. He was in the Army Reserves, and he got called to Iraq was during that oh, time man. period, 2004. Okay. So I filled in, in history, and that's why I ended up getting certified while I was teaching 
there at Harnett Central. So, oh, Harnett Central. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. where'd you do your student teaching at? There. It, so, when you do lateral entry, you you, you oh. teach and they come observe you. And <laughs> That's true. Doing a good job. Right. So, you just have to sort of figure it yeah, out. I did so. it through Campbell University, but while I was teaching at Harnett Central. Oh, cool. All right. So, is that when you started coaching football at Harnett Central? Yep. So, that's what uh, got me involved in coaching and really coaching is what got me involved in teaching, I should say. <laughs> you wanted as well to- as that passion for football and coach wrestling and football there at Harnett Central. We were there for six years as a staff. Okay. And then when Cleveland opened, it was. Our staff was pretty close-knit football-wise, and we kind of wanted to stay together. So that's what was unique about Cleveland being a, a brand-new school. It led to an opportunity for a lot of us, almost the whole staff, came over from Harnett Central to Cleveland when it opened. So who were some of the teachers that were on that staff at Harnett Central? Mark Morris was the, the head football coach at Harnett Central. His okay. first year as the head coach was me and Joseph Caps, who's still there. Still there. He's yeah. the offensive coordinator at Cleveland and fill the same role. So me and him, our first year teaching and coaching was Mark Morris's first year as the head coach at Arnett Central. Okay. And then right before we left, Travis Gasser, who's the head football coach at uh, Princeton High School now. Okay. He was on staff as our linebacker coach. Wayne Stewart, he still comes back. He's an assistant principal in Wake County now. Okay. But he still comes back on Friday nights and, and meets with us on Sunday and helps with planning and strategy. And oh, kind of cool. Stuff. He's one of the coaches up in the booth for us. Okay. But he was our defensive back coach. I'm trying to think who else came with us. Kenny Jones, who's still with us at, at Cleveland. He's our running back coach. He was okay. our, our running back coach at Harnett Central. So that's, the, so that's Bill Wire, who was the defensive coordinator at Harnett Central, he stayed there because he lived more towards the Fayetteville area. Right. Everyone else kind of lived more to that Johnson County side. Right. So we were all able to, to come uh, over. Oh, so what year was that? 2009. So the, the last year at Harnett Central, we played for the state championship game. I lost by point to A.C. Reynolds. Yes, I, I remember that. And we had a, a great team coming back. I think the majority of the team, I think we had like nine returning starters from the, the 22 that lost by a point in the state championship game. And then this job came open and Mark was interested in it. And we're like, why don't you go? And you deal with just the JVs for you. We'll come next year. We'll come after, next year after we win a ring. But it was too good of an opportunity to pass up, and uh, so we all came over and started this program to, together. Right. And so Mark Morris was at Cleveland for two years, three years. He was there for four years. years. Four years. The okay. first year was just JV. Okay. Uh, so three varsity seasons. Okay. All right. And then he left, and then I guess you were promoted, and yeah. you became the head coach. That's right. So several of the guys that came. A few of them went. Another one that came from Heart Central with us was Ken Shoemaker. Coach Shoemaker, Coach Gaster, and Coach Morris all left to go to South Carolina. Coach Gaster came back a year later and came back to Princeton. Okay. Um, so, but Coach Shoemaker and Coach Morris are still there in South Carolina. So, when did you become the head coach at Cleveland? It was 2013, but then the 2014 season was 2014 season. So, you've been the head coach there for, I guess, nine seasons. Ten. This is the. 2014 was the first year, so okay. this year was the 10th season. This was the 10th season. Golly. And there were two seasons in one year with COVID. Yes. That got <laughs> that was real a, That was a lot of high school football. I can tell you what, that's when you almost won the whole thing. But anyway, so 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 that's amazing because one of the reasons I think you, you've had this succession is it's the continuity of this staff. Uh, and I didn't know all these other coaches, but I know Coach Caps has been there with you from the beginning. Yeah. And it sounds like you and him go back to Harnett Central. Yeah, so me and him both just finished our 20th year coaching. Six at Harnett Central, 14 here at Cleveland. So, And we've always coached together. That continuity. And, and then within Cleveland, he's always coached offense. I've always coached defense. So there, there's been a lot of continuity through that. And I think if you look at other football programs, 
not just on the, the high school level, but on the college level, the ones that have that continuity of staff are the ones that are that are really successful. You know, Garner had a great run, and they had the same coaches going all the way back from Earl Smith to uh, yeah, Hal Stewart, and, the, and all through there with all the same guys that all coached Correct. together for all that time. You see the same thing at Wake Forest. They've had the same staff or core of staff there for 20, 30 years. And right. That continuity. You see it even at Cardinal Gibbons. That staff's been together for 15-plus years. Um, ours yeah. has been – the core of it has been together for – yeah, so, so, I mean, you know, for all of you listening, I own a business. I, I marvel at your ability to keep the staff together because, you know, it's kind of unique. Like, y'all coach together, but you all work for the school system and the principal. So not only do y'all have to get along as a staff, but you have to be good enough educators that you keep your job and that the principal's happy with your job as educators first and then your football coach is second. So explain how all of that goes together because it's not – quite like a, a job here. If you work for Jonathan Breeden and it doesn't work out, we can just move on. Not the way it works there. And everybody has to get along. And while you're the head football coach, y'all still really work for the principal. Right. <laughs> I think when, when you get down to it, it's all the same job. You're teaching kids. Uh, sometimes you're teaching them football. Sometimes you're teaching them biology. Um, but you can either connect with them and teach them or you can't. So it's so one thing I learned uh, from Coach Morris and how he built his the staff, it's better to have a good teacher than it is to have a good coach. Because um, if you can teach, the only thing that's missing is the football knowledge. So, you know, bringing people that are, are good teachers and that's going to fulfill the needs that the principal wants to have. Correct. And it's going to fulfill your needs on the football field as well. So we always try to find, when we interview new people to bring them on board, we, we focus on that aspect of it. And then the, the principals realize that too. So it's not just, hey, I want this football coach in this position. Right. We want a good teacher in that position that can also help us on the field as well. So I think we had a run there for four years in a row. We had the new teacher of the year at Cleveland was a football coach. So, oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, we try to hire good teachers first, and and they also end up being good coaches. As so well. how many football coaches are there? It, it varies from year to year. So typically we have about 10 that are on staff. Not all of them are paid, but – Okay. The ones that are paid aren't paid a whole lot, so <laughs> no, it doesn't uh, create a, a, a big <laughs> distinction, but the, the county only has so many resources. You know, we fill all the supplements, and then we get some volunteers and do those kind of things. As well. Are there rules about how many coaches you can have, kind of like in college, like there can only be, I think, 11 full-time coaches in college or something? No. In Johnson County, it's, it's more district okay. uh, regulated. You get so many paid assistant positions. In, in Johnson County, you get the head coach and then six paid assistants in there. Okay. Anyone else can't be paid. So even if okay. you know, someone wanted to pay him on the side, right? That's uh, that's not allowed. Okay. All right. Well, cool. So yeah. So y'all. I mean, you've had tremendous success, and I don't think it should be lost that one of the reasons you've had is you've had the same principal. I mean, she's been the principal for a long time there. Yeah, a lot of continuity. So when I was an assistant, she was an assistant principal, Miss Saul's hair, and she left and went to the middle school for a couple of years. Right. And Mr. Bird, who, yeah, obviously, Mr. Bird. His, I know Mr. Bird. He was very good principal. So he was there for a few years, and then he moved up to county office as assistant superintendent now. And she came back from middle school. So we've had a lot of continuity there. And Mr. Bird was a great principal, and 
his son is obviously a very good football right, player right. as well. His, his son is an excellent <laughs> football player, Jackson Bird, the quarterback. It was, I mean, I guess Miss Salisbury, she came back in, was it 16? She's been there seven years? Uh, that, that sounds right. It's, it's in that ballpark, uh, when you're right? you're there for so long. Right, I know, right. But it's been a while. So, I mean, there's been Probably. a lot of continuity. Now, unfortunately, I don't know that the continuity that you've had on the football team and she's had as the principal has gone across all the teachers there, but y'all have been there. Yeah, uh, and I think there is a good core of, of teachers in the building that have been there since we were going through and counting another day, but we have a good continuity of mix. And what I really like is, I think, you know, talking about community in Johnson County is, you know, Johnson County has a strong community and there's the towns, but Cleveland isn't really technically a town. Correct. And it was something that was kind of lacking when we first opened it, really didn't have a community feel. People just lived here. Correct. And worked. But I think the, the high schools helped in that and the success of, of sports teams has helped build that. But I, I think there's a feel of a building community. Each year, it seems a little bit better and stronger because you're building alumni. And now we have several teachers that were former graduates. That was one thing that was always a struggle when we first started was, you know, a lot of people get support for the schools from their alumni. Well, there wasn't any alumni right, 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 um, right. to be had. And now we have three coaches on staff, three of our 10 coaches on staff this year. We've had up to five in, in past years that were graduates of Cleveland High School. So, and I think there's you know, four or five other teachers in the building that went to Cleveland High. So we were well, starting to build awesome. that community. And every Friday night, you see more faces coming back that played for us or grew up watching us. Starting well, to build a Cleveland community. Yo, it's awesome. And, and, you know, I mean, I moved here in 2000. Of course, high school opens in 2009. And, and there, you know, there was a community. And so my thought was to try to help build it through the Chamber of Commerce. So we started the Greater Cleveland Chamber of Commerce out here. I was one of the very first members of that. And, you know, I tried to be as involved as I could with Celebrate Cleveland and Cookie Pope and the fireworks on July 4th, you know, to try to create a sense of community out here. But we didn't have the high school. Heck, when I got here, we didn't even have West Johnson High School. You know, the, these kids were being either bused to South or to Clayton High School. And then, you know, West opens a few years after I get here and then they build Cleveland. And, and that's one of the things I was looking forward to was in building the high school, because I do think high school football and the high school can create a sense of community, even if you're just at basically is a boom intersection here that just continues to explode, you know, here at 4042, which now it might not be 4042 anymore. It might become 4039 as they're talking about renumbering Highway 42 because of the interstate. So a U.S. 70 bypass is going to be Interstate 42, but that's for a different podcast. We'll probably have somebody <laughs> on from Department of Transportation to explain that. But anyway, but yeah, so it's been really good. And, and I think it's also helped that the football team, which is often the face of high school, has been so successful because everybody wants to cheer for a winner. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously you get more fans when you're being successful and doing it the right way and that kind of thing. But, you know, high school football, regardless where it's at, is kind of like the new public square. It's where everyone comes out and hangs out on Friday night. And the more successful, the more people come together. And hopefully we can continue that and continue to build a, a greater Cleveland unity. Yeah, it's been so much fun to, to go to the games. It helps when you... I mean, you haven't lost a regular season game in six or seven years or something. I mean, it helps to be cheered for a winner. But, I mean, they're running the right way. Your, your teams are not committing a bunch of personal fouls. I don't think I've ever seen any player of yours in a fight or, or any of that. And that just doesn't happen. I mean, clearly that comes from coaching and discipline and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think when you get into coaching at the high school level, you're doing it primarily as a vehicle to teach these guys how to be – productive members of a community and how to be good citizens, how to be men. 
And there's not a lot of ways to do that in the school building anymore because you, you got to get the material in and that right. kind of stuff. So I think almost all of our coaches are doing it for the right reasons, and that, that comes across in the results you put on the field. Right. So a lot of parents listen to this podcast. How do you get 60 to 70, 14 to 17-year-olds running into each other, all going in the same direction? It's hard. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean it, it takes a lot of people. I think <laughs> what we found is you really got to connect with them. And I don't care what kind of personality you have, it's really hard to connect with more than 10 or 11, 12 individuals just because of personality differences. So one thing I try to do in, in building a staff is obviously get people that are on board and, and like-minded but aren't going to be cookie cutter. I think it happens a lot in coaching. It might happen a lot in the corporate world. I'm not involved, but they see someone be successful and they want to do it just like them. And you end up playing a role rather than being who you are. And I okay. think that it, it's if you have, if I have 10 clones on staff, we're really only going to connect and reach 10, 15 guys that connects with. Oh, I see what you're so saying. So if okay. we have a diversity of personalities, we have a wide variety of, of guys on, right. on our staff and all of them come about it a different way. And certain players gravitate to, to certain coaches, whether it be in their position group or just their personality. And I think when you can connect to certain guys on a, on a personal level, it really leads to them getting success on the field or in the classroom. So a lot of times a, a kid's messing up on the field or in the classroom, I don't say a word to them because I know the way I go about things isn't going to resonate with them. So I'll go and be like, hey, Coach Hughes, can you talk to him for me? Okay. And this is what we need to get done. And we all get on the same page. We all have our guys that we connect with. Okay. So with, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys on staff, you can get to all 120 and get them going in the right direction. Oh, okay. I got you. So I, I think one of the, the keys to leadership is don't play a role. Be yourself, be yourself in the role as a leader. And as long as the direction is the same, you can get that. A lot of people, because I think what's unique about football is you have a wide variety of types of people, size-wise, skill-wise, but just from diverse backgrounds. we got some players that you know don't have very much, and we have some that have a lot and everything in between those two extremes and getting them all to have a, a common goal for a team and for community is difficult, but it takes a lot of different people to get that done. Yeah, no doubt. And so you practice a lot and you run the same offense and the same defenses every year. So a young man coming into your program, I mean, by the time, you know, and y'all start with some of them, even in middle school and Pop Warner, they're running some of the similar schemes. So they're going to learn the same thing. And it's just every year trying to get better with these same 10 or 15 base offensive plays and these same three or four base defensive plays, correct? Yeah, so you want some continuity there so they're familiar. Obviously, the less they're thinking, the, the faster they can play. And that's the key. And then as they come through our program, they're going to get bigger, faster, and stronger physically. But they're also going to get more refined in the details. and do each of those jobs better as they get through there. So that's another thing we structure our, some people have like a, a JV staff and a varsity staff. We have one staff right. and you coach that position all through. So you coach JV and varsity, but you coach just defensive back. So you coach just linebackers. Okay. So that way they're getting the same message for four years about how to do that, what your expectations are on, you know, on Thursday nights going to be the same as they are Friday nights when, matters just a little bit more. Oh yeah, well that's cool, that's awesome. Have family law questions? 
Need guidance to navigate legal challenges? The compassionate team at Breeden Law Office is here to help. Visit us at www.breedenfirm.com for practical advice, resources, or to book a consultation. Remember, when life gets messy, you don't have to face it alone. And I, I really think that, you know, when I talk to people and, and we talk about Cleveland and all the success you've had, you know, a lot of people, the first thing they say is that staff's been together forever. You know what I mean? And if you took one of them out, Cleveland would still be successful because if the rest of them are there, you know, it's a culture. You build a culture of discipline, hard work, winning, you know, doing things the right way. I mean, that's what you've tried to do, right? Yeah. You know, getting prepared for this little podcast, I was looking up different things about leadership and one quote, I think I wrote down, left it in the car, but that I saw that I think really kind of hits home on that point is leadership is about getting people to do the right thing, even when you're not there and then making sure once you leave, they continue on that path. So yeah, I think when I retire, you know, Cleveland will be able to roll on. We got a lot of guys like coach Hughes and coach Jacobs, who one coaches wide receivers and one coaches our offensive line that I was their position coach when I was an assistant at Cleveland. And so (laughs) when you bring on guys like that, they know, the expectations, they know the, the style. A, a lot of times they're upholding the standards of the program even better than we are because they came up through it. So, you know, when when we're retired and, and watching from the sideline, yeah. th- those guys will be able to pick it up and keep it rolling. So what makes the difference? I mean, you've coached some great players, and there's Amari Hampton, who, for those of y'all not listening, is now plays for – Carolina and I'm a state graduate and a state fan and but I'm a huge Amari Hampton fan he was one of the top 10 rushers in America this year he almost certainly will be drafted by the NFL in April of 25 what is there anything that makes him or players of that level and I don't know how many players you've had in the NFL but he's for sure going to the NFL if he doesn't get hurt different than the other players whether it be God-given talent, how hard he works, I mean, stuff like that. Well, obviously the talent is something that can't be replicated. Right. He has a lot of God-given talent, but there are other people around the country that are as big and fast and strong as he is, but there's very few in the whole world that have the work ethic that he does. And I talk to our players about it all the time. You know, you can't put a, a laser timer in front of it. You can't measure it at the combine. But, you know, perseverance coming through hardship and, you know, some of the injuries he's had but and work ethic are a talent that's probably more important than your 40 time or your bench press. And he's got all that stuff, too. Right. But to be in an elite level and you're talking about some of the best in the world to play football, right. if you're going to go to the NFL, have to have that talent. But they also have to have those hidden talents as right. well. And he, he definitely has that. Yeah, and he works hard. I don't know. Is he naturally motivated? Does he do what you ask? Like, like if I wanted my child, I mean, not to be Amari Hampton, but I'm saying, like, sometimes I think parents, like me sometimes, get a little frustrated that they don't go out and practice as hard, as work as hard as maybe we think they should to be better at these sports. I mean, anything you can encourage, any, any words of encouragement or anything like that, or maybe the young man has to just say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy in and I'm going to do this work. Yeah, I think part of it is his passion for football. He, he loves football. And, you know, at, from a – my son's going to be at Cleveland High School next year. He's in eighth grade right now. So I try to learn a lot 
from the great parents that we've had at Cleveland and, and some of the not so great <laughs> right. experiences as well. And I, right. I think sometimes parents will push kids down a path that they want to see them go on and not necessarily a path right. that they want to be on. And Amaron's always wanted to be a football player and love playing football. You know, during like during COVID, we couldn't practice, we couldn't do anything. We'd lock up the gates and do all that. I was constantly getting calls from the county. Hey, there's players out on your field. There's they're practicing. I'm not there. I'm at home. I'll send you a selfie. I'm sitting on the living room. All the gates are locked, but you had these players and Amaron was a leader of that, you know, climbing fences to get on a field somewhere just because there was a pandemic. They wanted to still pursue their passion and play football and to do what he did, you know, even during the pandemic where we didn't have weightlifting class and all that, it's just a testament to how much he loved football. And he wasn't the only one from that class. That senior class was a special class in the flowers, how much they loved the sport. Right. Um, but I think part of it is he's pursuing what he really loves doing. I, and and like, that makes likewise, it I guess, easier for him to work as yeah. hard as it is he's working. Right. And like I, I started with, I, if I had gone into law school, I was kind of doing it to make money. I don't know right. if I'd have been nearly as successful as a lawyer as I had been a football coach because I'm pursuing my passion. Right. And I, I think when you pursue what you love, it's a lot easier to work hard. Right. Well, that's true. And I love being a lawyer and I love representing families and, and getting children out of bad situations and, you know, coming here and having all these employees is, is not a job. You know what I mean? And you coaching football and teaching high school students is probably, you don't probably see that as a job right? because you just love it. And that's and I know what I tell I all it. our guys too, is like, find what you love and then figure out how to make money doing it. And that's, right. how, that's how you make a living. Right. That's true. Um, that's but, true. Uh, I, I think he will be able to do that toting a rock for someone in the NFL. Yeah, no, I honestly think that he he has the talent to to probably play in the NFL. The which which would be amazing. I mean, because he, he could make money that changes entire life and his children's lives and his grandchildren's lives, you know, if he invested properly and stuff like that. And it's amazing. And and every time you see him on TV and they say Clayton, North Carolina, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I know him, you know, which is awesome. So I guess a couple more questions here and we'll we'll get out of here. The, let's talk about some of the successes. I know, I mean, we should, uh, this will drive some of the Clayton listeners maybe a little crazy. It is nine conference championships in the 10 years you've been the coach? Yes, sir. Okay. And it's seven in a row, seven conference championships in a row, nine out of 10. You've not lost a regular season varsity football game in how Since many years? 2019. Since 2019. Yeah, we lost to Cardinal Gibbons on JV and varsity, so it's a a double streak. Right. So that's like September, I think it was like September 19th, 2019. Not that I remember. Right. Since (laughs) the varsity or the JV have lost a regular season game. So that's, is it, I mean, you know how many in a row that is? Is that so 20, 21, 22, 23, four full seasons and a half. Right. We like seven at the end of the 2019. So like 51 games or something of regular season football. Yeah. Right. And then of course you've been in the playoffs every year and you play for the state championship in, I guess, April of 21. Yeah, that was the COVID season, right? The 2021, right? Was when the game was played, and we lost a close game there. Hampton was hurt. It was at Chapel Hill. That was. I even went over there as much <laughs> as I can't stand Carolina being a huge state fan. I did go over there to cheer your team on, and we almost won with a sophomore quarterback coming in and throwing a touchdown when the other quarterback was out. I mean, it was a crazy game. But I tell you what was so great about that, that watching some of the Facebook memories and pictures of those kids getting to play in that stadium, 
You, you know what I mean? And and ninety nine percent of them were never going to play in college. But to walk to see those kids get to walk out there from our community and play in one of the great stadiums in America with the music and the lights and everything, it's just it about brings tears to your eyes. And I don't even like Carolina because I knew what it meant to those young men to get the chance to play on that field in that stadium. Yeah, I think as a as a coach, because we went, most of us on, on staff went in 2009 at Harnett Central. So we knew that experience. And I think we all felt a lot more pressure in the Eastern final games that we've been in. I think there's like three or four that we've coached in at, at Cleveland. Felt more pressure in those games because you want the players to experience that. I think when the players get there, they feel a little bit more pressure in that state championship right. game. But we feel more pressure as a staff is just to get them there to because when you get there, it's something you'll never forget. It's awesome. And, and just some of the pictures I saw, and it just was, it was really great. P- kids that were playing for Cleveland, and there was a picture of them standing there, and then they were five years old in a Carolina game. You know, one of them said, I made it. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was just that kind of stuff. You know, it just matters. I grew up in Laurenburg, went to Scotland High School. Scotland High School was not all that great when I was a child coming on. We were okay, but it got really good after I left. And so they have played for five or six state championships. They've won one. And I've tried to go to all of those games, even though I don't know those children anymore. But, you know, I know where those kids came from. And to see them playing at Wallace Wade Stadium at Duke, I saw them lose a championship game at NC State in Carter-Finley Stadium one time. I saw them win a a championship at Wake Forest and, and get to play in that stadium. And, you know, I know what a, a memory for those kids it was going to be. And, and Scotland went on a run there where they went played several state championships in a row, five out of six or something like that. And I just was – I would just smile. Even though I didn't know the kids, I knew what it meant because I knew where they were from. I knew the challenges they had grown up with. And they got to go out there, and 99% of them were never going to play in a college stadium. And that's why I'm glad that the colleges, State, Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest, opened their stadiums up and make it possible for that to happen. I know here – in the last few years when they've cut it back to four championships, they're just at Carolina and State. Uh, I think they're going to expand that in a couple of years, and maybe uh, Wake Forest and Duke will get back involved in the rotation. So I guess my last question for you is, you know, you've been here. You've had chances to go other places. What do you love about teaching in Johnston County and, and working at Cleveland High School? I think it comes down to people. You know, people are like, are you, you're not loyal. I don't think any person is loyal to a place but I think you become loyal to the people there. So Miss Saul's hair being the principal there, you know, she's going to have our back and, and kind of support our program. So you're loyal to those people, the community here, you know, and a lot of times those opportunities come up, but one of the biggest draws back to Cleveland is the Friday nights. When we first started out, no one there, no one watching. <laughs> but now even our sidelines get filled up of guys that have played for us and they come back and, you know, doing all kinds of different things from doctors to roofers, and they're all there together on the sideline, you know, telling a a kid they've never met before (laughs) how important it is for them to win this game or or to make that catch or whatever it may be. Right. Those type of moments is what kind of draws you in. You want to come back and and be a part of that because, you you know, with with us, me and Coach Caps and Coach Jones, we've we've been there for the whole journey of it. So whenever a guy comes back at Cleveland, we know him. And so I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, you become loyal to the people of Johnson County, the people of of Cleveland, and definitely the the team. Uh, That's awesome. No, and it's so much fun. And if you've not had a chance to go see Cleveland play on Friday night next fall, definitely go out there and do it. 
It's a lot of passing, a lot of five wide receivers, a lot of points on the scoreboard up and down the field. It is not old school Big Ten football, I can tell you that. And There's no horns. My wife's convinced we lost the hogger because they were louder because they got to use horns. No, so. they brought horns, that's so right. She said she's going to buy horns and start passing them out at our uh, home. So. No, that's right. That's great. <laughs> so anyway, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Best of Johnson County podcast. We'd like to thank all of y'all for listening. If this is your first time following this podcast, if you would do us the favor of liking or subscribing or following this podcast, wherever you're getting this podcast, whether it be on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or our website, so that you'll be aware of future episodes of the Best of Johnson County podcast. They come out every Monday, and you'll be interested to see, if you've not listened to some of the previous episodes, well, please go back and listen. We've had county commissioners. We've had the Parks and Rec director. We've had state house members. We now have a high school football coach. So uh, a lot of good guests that have been out there. Definitely go back and listen to some of those episodes. If you do us a favor of giving us a five-star review down at the bottom of wherever you get this podcast, that'll help expand the reach of this podcast so other people will find out about the Best of Johnson County podcast and can learn more about why I and all of the guests love Johnson County. Till next time, I'm Jonathan Breeden. That's the end of today's episode of Best of Johnston County, a show brought to you by the trusted team at Breeden Law Office. We thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to sharing more interesting facets of this community next week. Every story, every viewpoint adds another thread to the rich tapestry of Johnston County. If the legal aspects highlighted raise some questions, Help is just around the corner at www.breedenfirm.com. 